Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. In the routine of things and getting fat, happy, and satisfied. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, you know, I'm taken care of. I'm doing okay. And if I'm doing okay, well, then I guess everything's okay. But there's still people that need Jesus. And uh, when I was in California, I've shared this story with you before, but I was in California probably about, about 15 years ago. I was there for a minister's conference with another pastor. And we stood out front of our hotel, and there was a young lady that was standing there, and she was one of the valet parkers uh, waiting for guests to come in, and she would get the car and, uh, you know, park it for them. Well, as we were standing out there, she was just waiting. There hadn't been any cars coming yet, so we just started to talk to her. And we said to her, started talking to her about Jesus, and she had this look on her face, like, what are you talking about? And so we just asked her the question, do you know who Jesus is? And she says, no. And we thought she was kidding. We're like, seriously? She goes, no, I don't. She was a young teenage girl. And it was surprising because here we are in the United States of America, and there are people that don't know who Jesus is, nor have heard of him. And you would think that that's a foreign thing, especially living in the country that we do, based upon a country founded on God. But there are still people that need to know who he is and that he loves them. And there are people within this community that need Jesus. So I encourage you, step out of your comfort zone. Be sensitive in your heart. That person in the grocery store that's taking forever in front of you, and you're thinking, can you just pay the bill, please? Can you just get out of my way? Maybe they're just lingering behind. Maybe maybe God's orchestrated that whole thing simply so you could have a conversation and invite them to GVC. Or at best, saying, just here's a card. I just wanted to invite you. And we got those cards out front there. What am I saying? We need to become a church that is about winning people to know Jesus. Does that make sense? And so I just encourage you, in these next few days, in these next few months, we have been strategically placed in a new place, in a new facility where we can do that a whole lot easier than what we've done in the past. So let's make it, make it count. Amen? Amen. Well, you ready to jump into this this morning? Amen. We've been talking the last few weeks about the house of God. And so, uh, if I can, just to ask some questions, because concerning my natural house, my natural house is just getting ready to be emptied. In a matter of about a week, the kids are going back to school. Anybody excited about the kids going back to school? All the mom says, yes, praise the Lord. My wife, she says that to me all the time. She says, well, at least uh, you can go to the office and do work. You know, I'm stuck home with them. And I'm like, well, can't you do work there? She goes, yeah, you try doing it with three kids just screaming and yelling and running all over. You know how it is. Well, I give her a whole lot of uh, uh, credit because she's a great mom, and it's, it's tough, you know, uh, trying to be productive with, with all kinds of kids. But kids are going back to school. And my kids particularly are not necessarily all that excited about it. How's yours? <laughs> are they excited about going back? Well, let me ask you this. For some of you, it might be a little bit, Harder to recollect those school days, but maybe you can remember back to elementary, uh, junior high, high school. Uh, just kind of with some participation here. How many of you like school? Anybody in here? I got a couple. My 
goodness. What happened to GVC? <laughs> wow. We have nobody. Well, then that really kind of just, uh, I was going to ask how many were good students. Well, we got a few of you. <laughs> Even though you didn't like it, you said you were good students. All right, all right. How many? Do we have any valedictorians in here? Salutatorians? Honors? You graduated with honors? Okay, a few of you did. How many of you have barely graduated? <laughs> that would, how many of you just did enough to get by? Yeah. Now, that being said, how many of you looking back would say, if I could do it over again, I would do it differently? Sure. I believe all of us would say that to some extent. And, and I can only speak for myself, but I, I think when I make that statement that if I had the opportunity to do it again, I would do it different, I would do it better. And I think inwardly my thought is, is that if I were to have given a little bit more effort, maybe that would have set me up for some more advantages in life had I just applied myself a little bit more. Do you know what I'm saying? And so... Uh, if we would simply learn how to be good students in life, it would set us up for the future. Amen? And so that's what we've been talking about concerning the house of God. If you remember, we said this uh, in Psalms. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Well, why was that? Because in the house of the Lord, it was a place of learning. Right? It was a place where they began to grow and learn the things of God. They began to learn who God was, learning his heart and his desire in his love for them. And, and, and God wants us to come to that place where we begin to understand that the house of the Lord is a place for us to come and learn and grow rather than looking at it as a place of like, oh, dear God, do I got to go to church this week? <laughs> Wife, will you give me permission to stay home? I think that's what guys typically do. And wives are just looking for the men to be leaders and say, let's lead me to church, lead our family. But again, God is endeavoring for us to grow and learn. Well, in 2 Kings, we see a scenario in a story of basically school in the things of God. In 2 Kings, it tells us that there was a school called the School of the Prophets. There were those that went to school and they were called the sons of the prophets. And, and as a result of going to school, the Bible tells us that they were really being trained for ministry. They were trained to, to become priests and they were being trained to be leaders and lead the people for God. But in 2 Kings, we see concerning the school of the prophets, there was one young individual by the name of Elijah. And he was going to the same school growing and purposing to, to know God. And the Bible says that his teacher was Elijah. And Elijah had been teaching Elisha for some time. And the Lord said to Elijah, he said, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come to heaven. He says, in fact, I want you to go to Bethel. And when you go to Bethel, I'm going to send you a heavenly taxi cab and I'm going to pick you up. In fact, if you know anything about Elijah, he didn't see death. The Bible says that God picked him up in a whirlwind and took him on home. Wouldn't that be the way to go? Woo! Just take me home, Lord. That'd be the way to go. 
But in the midst of that, obviously it must have been common knowledge within the school because the Bible tells us that the sons of the prophets or these other students would come to Elisha and say, Hey, Elisha, your teacher's going home today. And the Bible tells us that Elisha said to him, I know, now be quiet. Now, the way that he responded tells me that these students were being kind of bullies. They were picking on him. Hey, Elisha, your teacher's about ready to go. You're going to be without a teacher. And the Bible says that they did that continually, several times saying, Elisha, your teacher is leaving you today. And it finally got to the point that it rubbed him wrong. And he says, I know it. Now shut up. Leave me alone. Now, to make matters worse, Elijah, his teacher, was saying, Hey, Elisha, I've got to go to Bethel. Now, why don't you just stay here? Well, I don't want to stay here. I want to go with you. Well, why don't you just stay here? He said, no, I've got to go with you, teach. And a little bit later, several times, Elijah said to him, just stay here. Don't worry about the journey. Don't worry about taking up uh, uh, just uh, what you're doing and, and worrying about me. Just stay here. And Elisha said, I am not leaving your side. I'm going with you. And so they journeyed to Bethel, and they come to the place where they came up against the Jordan. And the Bible tells us that the sons of the prophet had to have come with them because they saw them come up against the Jordan River. So they were those that were being spectators, and there were those that were being participators. And there was more of them that were being spectators than the one that says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. But here they are up against the Jordan, and you know just the way that they are. You know, they've already been picking on Elisha to begin with, so they're standing back here saying, well, what are they going to do? <laughs> they got to get to Bethel, but there is no boat right there. What are they going to do now? Well, the prophet Elijah takes off his mantle, rolls it, up, rolls it up, and he strikes the water. And upon striking the water, the water parted. And Elijah and Elisha walked over to the other side. Now, the water was parted. They could have gone with him, but they stayed on this side, still continuing to be spectators. Now, once they got over to the other side, Elijah says to him, What do you want? You've purposed to come with me this far. What is it that you really want? And Elisha said to Elijah, I want a double portion of the anointing or the, the presence of God in your life. I want a double portion of that. I want to know God twice as much as you do. I want what you have, but I want more. And he wasn't saying it from a perspective of, I want to be greater. He says, I just want more of God. I want double and Elijah, Elijah said to him, he said, well, you've asked a hard thing because it comes with persecution. It comes with tests and trials. But then the Bible says that the whirlwind came and he took or it took Elijah home. As he's departing, his mantle fell and Elisha picked it up. Well, the servants were able to see him. And again, they're like, well, what's he going to do? We told him his servant was going to leave. His master was going to leave. And here he is all by himself. What's he going to do? Well, we see that Elisha takes up the mantle, rolls it up, and does exactly what Elijah did. And the water parted. And he came walking back over, and all the sons of the prophet are standing there with their mouth hanging open. Oh, 
And they said, the spirit of Elijah is upon you. You've got it. And then they said, hey, why don't we go look for your teacher? He said, no, don't, don't do, do that. Don't go do that. Isn't it interesting that they knew what Elijah was going to do? They knew that he was going to go on home. But all they did was spectate rather than participate. And even when it happened before their eyes, they still thought, well, maybe there's something else that took place. Let us go look for them. You see, they were all taught in the same place. They were all taught in the same house of God. One was a participator. Others were spectators. Here's the takeaway. Everyone that was in school could have been with Elisha or could have been where Elisha was. They were, again, spectators rather than participators, and they lived in the moment not understanding that the preparation and the teaching was not just for today, but it was to prepare the future. Amen. How many of us live life from day to day, never with any mind of preparation, whether it's in the natural concerning our children, in our marriage, our finances, our our retirement, or anything of that nature. We live in the present. We live from day to day with no regard of what the future holds. But yet we do that in our relationship with God. We live from day to day with no regard That God is preparing me for the future. That God is wanting to take me from this place to this place. That he's wanting me to come from this place and come up to this place. He's always endeavoring for me to get to a place of trusting him and follow him to a greater capacity. Elijah saw beyond the natural man and saw what was on and in his teacher. What does that mean? Elijah was a man just like anybody else. You know that Elijah ticked Elijah off from time to time, but refused to get offended because that's my teacher. There's things in him and there's things on him that I need. And if I purpose to keep my heart right when he teaches me the things, it will be a benefit to my life and it will be a benefit to my future. Amen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Now, again, I'm relating this to the house of God. How many of you have ever known somebody that got offended at church? Nobody ever here, right? No, nobody's ever got offended here. But that's just commonplace. That's where the enemy works so good. That's his number one tactic is to get people offended. And if you get offended at the person, rather than recognizing what's in and on the person, will get out of the place of higher learning. And I'm not just talking about a pastor. I'm talking about anybody and everybody. Because there's people that you sit next to from time to time. He's like, man, I just wish you would sit on the other side of the room. (laughs) I really don't like you right now. And that's okay. You know, you don't have to like everybody. God said you got to love them in spite of that. But you you don't have to like everybody. Now, if it's your husband or your wife, you got to like them too, though. All right? (laughs) It don't work on that level. But once again, he purposed to see beyond knowing that there was something significant about the teaching and the learning that he was getting from his man of God and the house or the schooling by which he was learning the things of God. And notice this. He immediately began to act out what he saw in front of him. 
Elijah struck the water and the water parted. Once Elijah left, he's like, well, what do I do? I got to go back home. Well, let me just try this baby out. He smotes the water and the water parted. How many of you know that God's not waiting for you to become so matured in the things of God? He's not worried about how long you've been in church. All he wants you to do is step out and trust him. He just wants you to trust him and say, this is my desire in my heart for you. Amen. And if we'll just dare to believe, dare to do, God will show up. God said that to me when I was in Bible school one time. In fact, it was right toward the end of my, of my, uh, of my last year of school. In fact, uh, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, uh, we were at my apartment and we were just, uh, you know, hanging out, watching TV or whatever, but I'm spending time with my girlfriend. And one of my best friends in school, he come knocking on the door. And when he come knocking on the door, he's like, man, he says, I just, whew, I've just been having some times with God. And he's so excited to tell me just so, some things that the Lord shared with him and showed him uh, as he was just spending time with God. He's spending time with God and I'm spending time with Kelly. So he comes there and he wants to tell me all this stuff. And I'm thinking, Joe, would you just leave? I'm not saying it, but I'm thinking it. I'm like, Joe, just go. You know, I'm, I'm going back to Michigan. I only got a couple more days, you know. We can talk later. But he stayed. But the longer he stayed, the more I just said, well, okay. I'll listen and we'll just talk. And then the more we started talking, our hearts got adjusted. And the more we started talking, the more we started focusing on God. And the more we started talking, the presence of God showed up in my apartment. And then we just started to pray. And then in the midst of our prayer, the Lord said this. Dare to say, dare to do, do it afraid. And he didn't mean do it in fear. He just meant step out and believe that I'll back you. Dare to say, dare to do, and dare to do it afraid. You see, you're never going to get to a place of where you feel so confident that God's got your back that you don't have to worry about anything. There's always going to be that question in your mind, and it's a good place because it keeps you humble before God. But there is a confidence to know that God is God and that God will always be God. But to step out and say, God, I'm just stepping out, daring to believe and daring to do. When you step out into the place of the supermarket and dare to invite that person to church or you see that they're going through a hardship and something's going on in their life and you just dare to say, can I pray for you? And they say, yes, I've never had anybody turn me down if I've ever asked them for prayer or asked to pray for them. And what if in that moment they're going through something? What if they're, what if they're terminally ill and God leads you to pray for them? And heals them right there on the spot because you dared to believe. Well, would God use me that way? Sure. If you dare to believe. See, what are we talking about? We're talking about growing and learning how to let God use us and grow in this relationship with God. But it begins in the house of God. Amen. I said it begins in the house of God where you begin to grow and you begin to learn and you begin to step out in this thing called faith. When we look at these sons of the prophet or these individuals, the Bible actually tells us that there was 50 of them, we see that they were individuals that weren't the best students. They showed up, they went to school, but they were missing some things. 
In fact, it was said to us this way in school when we went to Bible college. They said there's things that can be taught, but then there are other things that can't be taught. They have to be caught. You know what I mean by that? I mean, you just you get around the atmosphere. You just hang around the right people, and all of a sudden you start catching what they have. Maybe it's a spirit of faith, just being able to step out and be bold. Have you ever been that way before? Come on, you're that way in the natural. Amen. In fact, Jimmy, I see Jimmy there. I I could tell you what, if I went into a dark alley with Jimmy, if I went in by myself, I'd be like, (laughs) whoo, better get out of here as soon as I can. But if I'm walking in a dark alley with Jimmy, (laughs) I got Jimmy with me. (laughs) Hey, punk, what you doing, man? Why? Because I know I got backup with me. Well, that's the same thing with God. When we purpose to get around the right people, we got boldness. I just double-dog dare you. I just double-dog dare you to talk bad about my pastor. I just double-dog dare you to talk about my church in a bad way. I just double-dog dare you to ask me to pray for you because when I pray for you, God shows up and he answers my prayers. Amen. See, that's what happens when we come into the house of God. We start growing and we learn how to trust God. The house of God is a school for life. It's a place of higher learning. Let me ask you, what kind of student are you? Amen. Well, it got quiet all of a sudden, didn't it? I asked you on the front side, what kind of a student were you? I found out that we weren't very smart. We weren't, we weren't the very smart ones here. And none of us liked school. I think there was like three people that liked school. Well, there's something to be said for that because you've got to learn how to like growing and learning in the things of God. You've got to like learning to be stretched by God. Because it's only in the stretch that we begin to grow and that we begin to learn. Can you say amen? Well, when you think about the school years, going back to those early days, you know, you had to get up early. Nobody likes getting up early. You had to go to school five days a week. There was learning and there was studying. You you was challenged. And apparently a lot of us in here, we probably had tutors and extra extra help. (laughs) Maybe you was in athletics and they stretched you. There was some pain involved. As you begin to grow older, there was was the, 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 the temptations that we would face, things that we wanted to do, challenges that we would be tempted with. We wanted to be independent. We would buck against authority. We we would uh, buck against uh, those that would try to tell us what to do. If you remember back in those days, there was those seasons of place and rank. You know what I'm talking about? Whether you was a cheerleader, you know, you wanted to be somebody. You wanted to be known. If you was the, if you was the jock, you wanted everybody to know you was tough. And again, depending on how, if you're those kind of guys that like to be tough, you know, there was always kind of the ranking. Well, that's the toughest kid, and that's the second toughest kid. And, well, you just don't want to mess with that one either. And then the third one didn't mess with the first one because, you know, you just you didn't do that. <laughs> Does that make sense? But there's always these things that are going on in those years of going to school. Do you remember being in school and as you started to grow, you fell in love for the first time. And then you got the first broken heart. It was a time of learning. It was a time of growing. Now, if you don't get anything from this morning, grab hold of this statement. Growing and comfort, growth and comfort can never coexist. I said growth and comfort can never coexist. What does that mean? If you're comfortable, 
then chances are you're not growing. If you're growing, then I'm going to tell you you're not comfortable. Because there's times when you're going to come into the house of God and God's going to slap you upside the head. Not in a bad way, but it's going to challenge, uh, challenge you and stretch you on the inside to say, I need you to come up higher. There's things that I need you to do. There's things that I need you to change. There's things that you need to modify. You need to stop talking that way. You need to treat your wife better. There's all kinds of things that God begins to stir on the inside. And that's not always comfortable, is it? It stretches us. And any time that we're stretched, it's never comfortable. God always keeps us in a place of growing and learning. As we saw concerning those sons of the prophet that were students in the same school that Elisha was, they were being taught the same things that Elisha was, but they chose to not value what they were learning, and as a result, it had no impact on their life, and it caused them to not move. But on the contrary, Elisha, valued the things that he was learning and growing and being taught. And those things moved him. I don't want to be without learning. I don't want to be without my teacher. In fact, what's on your life, I want that on my life. The things that I see God doing in your life, I want God to do that in my life. Because he valued the things that he was learning. Well, what was it that he valued? What were they being taught? They were being taught the Word of God. In the Old Testament, it was called the law, but it was simply teaching the heart of God. He valued the Word of God. Us as believers, us as children of God, we still grow and must value the Word of God. If we come into church and all we want is a reader digest message, we'll go out of here laughing, saying, that was a great joke, that was a good message. And you say, what did they teach? I don't know, but it made me laugh. But if you leave church saying, that stretched me a little bit, that put me out of my comfort zone, that stepped on my toes a little bit, that causes me to want God a little bit more, that causes me to want to trust God a little bit more, then we've done our job, and that's what church is all about. Well, I don't want to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. I don't want to invite somebody to church. Yeah, because it puts you out of your comfort zone. Amen. Well, I don't want to give money because I need money. It takes you out of your comfort zone, don't it? Sure it does. Well, I don't want to sing because I'm not a good singer or somebody might hear me. And dear God, I don't want to clap my hands or lift my hands because that just gets too fanatical. You don't want to do that. See, everything about God takes us out of our comfort zone because the more we're out of our comfort zone, the more that we begin to grow. Do you remember Jesus? Everything that Jesus did, we see his example, his model, his trend. In fact, the Bible says it was his custom. He would preach, he would teach, and then he would demonstrate. He would preach, he would teach, and he would demonstrate. Preaching is to get you stirred up to move. Teaching gives you a foundation to step out and move on. And then God says, I'll demonstrate those things in your life. If you'll just dare to believe me, if you'll just dare to trust, if you'll just dare to do it, even if you think, God, I'm afraid doing it, God says, I'll back you up. Paul had a custom. And the Bible says that he purposed to write letters to the church, teaching them. And he goes on to make this statement. He says, Follow me as I follow Christ. 
follow the leader is not a bad thing as long as you're following the right person. Amen? That's why husbands, fathers, that's why it's such a, such a, value, a vital role of being a dad and being a husband because everybody's following our lead. Psalms 119. 119 and verse 162. I said that Elisha valued the word. Notice what this says. It says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. So you mean when I come to church, they're going to preach at me? I heard your preacher was a long-winded guy. (laughs) Well, hopefully it's good enough to keep your attention. But what is the teaching and the preaching doing? It's helping you begin to discover the treasure that is in the Word of God. The, the, the International Standard Version says this, I find joy at what you have said. Like one who has discovered a great treasure. The Word of God. That which Elijah valued and placed value in his life. He found that this was a treasure. That it made a difference within his life. Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen, the Weymouth translation says this: Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for convincing, for correcting of error, and for instruction of right doing. Now let me pause there for just a moment, because we saw there in Psalm one one nineteen it says, "For I find joy at what you have said." So the Word of God is actually God speaking to me. Say that with me. Say, my Bible is God speaking to me. And so this right here said that the Word of God helps me. It is inspired by God. It's useful for teaching, for convincing, for correcting of error, and instruction in doing what is right. Now here's the thing. We read that scripture and we think that God is saying, oh, I'm going to correct you what you're doing wrong. Slap you upside the head. Oh, you shouldn't be doing that, smack. But the word of God is God's voice speaking to us. And the more we become familiar with the word of God, we become in tuned with the voice of God. So that means that in the midst of making a bad financial decision, is it a scripture that pops up and says, Thou shalt not make that investment? No. But it gives me an ear to learn how to hear from God. And therefore, because I've gotten familiar with God's voice, it can begin to help bring correction and direction for my life. There's been times, and really that is simply the voice of the Holy Spirit confirming God's word. There's been times where God has Try to help me become a better husband. Anybody ever recognize God's voice in that particular area of life? <laughs> Amen. Let me share this, first, or this, this example with you. I've shared it with you before. But there was a time where my wife, she was doing the dishes. And uh, I was over on the couch flipping through the channels. And the Lord said to me, the voice of God came to me, not, not in an audible voice, but just on the inside, knew it was God. And he says, go help your wife do the dishes. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do that. And I had every intent to go help her do the dishes. And I knew that the Lord was prompting me to go help her. And I'm even thinking, man, I'm going to score brownie points for this. I'm going (laughs) to, yeah, make my wife happy. 
But in the midst of sitting on the couch, I had the remote in my hand, and I thought, well, I'll just flip through the channels just to see what's on. Was it going to sit there any longer and watch? I just kind of wanted to flip through and just, I would leave it on one that I would find. And once you know it, in the midst of me flipping through the channels, my wife turned around and says to me, you know, you could help me do the dishes rather than sit over there and watch TV on the couch. Well, what am I going to say? I was coming over, baby. I was going to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, you only did it because I asked you to. I blew my opportunity to be a superstar in the, the eyes of my wife. See, the, the Lord, the Word of God begins to help tune in my ear to give correction and direction in areas of error in my life. But I've got to begin to value this thing. I've got to become a student of this thing. Have you ever noticed that higher learning always comes with a manual? Very few things come without a textbook. Try going to college without ever having to have a textbook. In fact, it'll cost you an arm and a leg for your textbooks. That's what they teach out of, right? Growing and learning in God is no different than this right here. You see, God wants to be the compass for our lives. The Word of God is like the true north of a compass. And the Holy Spirit is like the pin of a compass that points to the right direction. And the Holy Spirit will always point to the Word of God. But if I don't have the Word of God stored up in my heart, if I'm not a student of the Word of God, then the Holy Spirit has nothing to direct to or give me counsel in if I haven't become familiar with His voice. Amen? And so you say, why do I come to church? Go to school. Well, I can't wait till school gets over. Can't wait till the bell rings. Then you haven't learned to value. And I encourage you, and I don't say that to be hard. Because obviously, we've got to train ourselves to become students. I'll say this, and I'm running out of time. We'll have to pick up on this next time. But when it comes to you as a physical person... You're made up of three parts. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. You tracking with me? Your spirit always is in tune with God if you're a believer. Your flesh always wants to do its own thing. And your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, will always hook up which is more trained. So, if you haven't learned to develop your spirit by feeding it with God's Word and learning His voice and being sensitive to His leading, your mind, your will, and your emotions will be an unsafe guide because they will always tend to lean towards the flesh man. Well, I don't feel good. That don't seem right. Well, you offended me. But if you'll have a heart that is trained by the Word of God, then your spirit will connect with your soul and your mind, your will, and your emotions will lean towards the side of God. When things come in that seem like a distraction, in fact, example, your mind is tormented. 
your emotions are running crazy. You have no will to live. And you hear that voice that says, just commit suicide. Put yourself out of misery. It'll be all over and everybody else will be glad that you're gone. What does that lean towards? That leans toward a side that would be contrary to God's direction and leading, wouldn't it? And the enemy counts on you not being familiar with God's voice. Because if you're not familiar with his leading and directing, he can lead you on wild goose chases all your life and never fulfill what God desires. Amen? The Bible says this in Joshua 1.8. It says, meditate on the word day and night. And in doing so, you will have success and you will prosper. That's God's heart. But it's the word of God that begins to help lead and direct us. And we become familiar with his voice. Amen? It's because we come to the house of the Lord and we go to school. Amen. Let's stand. As I said, I wasn't able to put a pretty bow on that one because there was so much more that we wanted to share. But I trust that you got enough to challenge you and stretch you. My prayer is that we would fall in love with the Word of God. As the Scripture says that we would search this as though it was treasure. That we would dig into it as though we're trying to find the treasure. Because in it, Jesus said, My word is spirit and it's life. Amen. Let's pursue God with a passion. Let's run after Him. Let's purpose to know Him. Amen. Let's grow together. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you'll take what I shared this morning, whether whether it was pretty or, or not, whether it was assembled in an articulate manner or whatever. God, I just pray that you'll use the words that were spoken today to challenge our hearts to dig into the Word, to seek your face, to value the things of God in our lives, to become used and transformed. God, I thank you that better days are ahead. I thank you that there is more to come. I thank you that our marriages, our homes, our family, our church is changing. Because we value what needs to be valued. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life